Welcome to this edition of the Stop Ecoside Canada podcast series, where we learn more about protecting the future of life on Earth. I'm your host, R.G. Morse. Mass damage and destruction of nature is called ecocide, and right now in most of the world, it is legally permitted. It's time to change the rules. It's time to make ecocide an international crime. Stop ecocide, change the law, protect the Earth. I'm joined today by Ginger Osiki and Miguel Pastor, both of them Canadian students in the province of British Columbia. Ginger, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And Miguel, welcome. Oh, thank you. Miguel and Ginger, just to listeners know exactly who we're talking with, you are both students in Nelson, British Columbia, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and the reason I reached out to you today is because on the 31st of May, 2021, the two of you, together with a lot of other people, found yourselves outside the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Headquarters and the offices of British Columbia's Minister of Forests, protesting what? Ginger, I'm going to put that question to you protesting to stop logging our old growth. We're focusing on Ferry Creek, but we mean all old growth, really. So Ferry Creek is a an old growth stand on Vancouver Island, right? That is very contentious right now. The, the group of people have been trying to block logging access there now for a long time, and it's it's gotten quite heated, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, great. And Miguel, what was your reason for being in the streets in Castlegar? on May 31st? I think we have so little of these essential, I cannot stress it enough, essential ecosystems left. And it's really important to make our voices heard and uh, let Katrina Conroy know that her constituents are passionate about this issue. So that's why I was there. Okay, so Katrina Conroy, so our listeners know, is the British Columbia Minister of Forestry, right? That's correct. correct. And her constituency yeah. office was in Castlegar. We've been using the term Minister of Logging because it really shows, like, she's she's not ministering for it. She's ministering the logging. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ginger, uh, I, I refer to both you and Miguel as students. Let me be more specific for our listeners. You're 14 years old, correct? Correct, yes. All right. So you, Miguel, and all, all the other folks were in the streets on May 31st, and you actually chose to be arrested. Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> Explain to me why. Well, I've been striking for about two years, and I've put a lot of my energy into being heard, and people aren't listening. So I was, I was thinking, and I was like, I need to do something radical to finally be heard. And being arrested was that option for me. It was really great. Um, I had a point that needed to be proven that we're not going to back down. We're not going to stop protecting protecting our old growth forests and our ecosystems just because our just because our government wants us to. We're here for the long run. We're here till it's over. And our youth really have the power right now. And I really encourage everyone, especially youth, to be arrested if they want to prove this point because it is it is what we have and it's, it's extremely powerful. So I, I understand that you, you live in the city of Nelson, which is about a half an hour from Castlegar, where you were arrested. 
if I, I have this straight, you belong to an organization called Fridays for Future that, that a fellow student in Sweden, Greta Thunberg, founded some years ago. Have you been carrying out this kind of action in your hometown of Nelson? Yeah, well, we've been having strikes there for a long time. Uh, we Fridays for Future, uh, we don't do civil disobedience. We support people who do. Extinction Rebellion is more the civil disobedience, conscientious objector type, type of group. Yeah. I'm curious because you know that the organization that is producing this podcast is called Stop Ecocide. I'm curious if if you know about this organization, and if you do, I'm curious what your feeling is about the importance of there being an international law that actually criminalizes something called ecocide. Does that resonate with you at all? Yes. Um, criminalizing the law would mean so much to me. It would mean that we wouldn't have to worry about the mass extinction of our of our species and the mass damage of our environment. We wouldn't have to worry about our 2000 year old forests being logged just to make toilet paper. So Miguel, turning to you, I read an interview with you after the event on May 31st, in which you said that you felt empowered by taking part in an act of civil disobedience. Can, can you elaborate a bit on that feeling and what, it's, what it means to you to be a youth activist? Oh, thanks, Randy. Taking part in civil disobedience is, uh, it can be like nerve wracking and people can be skeptical about it, but especially as a youth activist, I think a lot of people can tend to like sort of dismiss, dismiss youth voices, you know, pretty easily when, especially if you're angry about something, they'll be like, oh, they're just really passionate. But youth also have the potential to garner so much attention and uh, emotion when uh, it really just clicks, you know? So an act of civil disobedience is really empowering because it really forces everyone to pay attention to the issues at hand and the issues that are so, that mean so much to, to the children, to our, to our future, really. That's what it's, that's what it's about among other things. So yeah, it's really empowering to be standing up for your future and making people listen to you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If if ever there were an issue where the constituencies, the, the constituency whose voice matters the most is youth, this is surely it, right? I mean, you you guys are literally going to inherit the future. On that note, I know that you've spoken about an envisioned future of cooperation, a future that's free of dominant systems. Can you expound on that briefly? It sounds like something you could probably speak to for the next hour, but let's let's just keep it brief and to the point. What what do you mean by that? I could definitely speak about that for the next hour. But to summarize, I think that our relationship as humans with ourselves and the systems that we have in place that generally can be quite negative is reflected in our relationship with the environment, which as we know due to the climate crisis is quite negative. So I think really to address the topic of climate change, we have to change our relationship with nature, how we envision nature and our relationship with ourselves to something that's more decentralized, more communal based and uh, really co basically cooperative and free of systems of domination, like I stated before. So does, does that fit into 
this notion of the, the land back movement, do you see that as potentially part of the, the solution to bring about enhanced environmental and climate justice, even social justice? Does that make sense? I think, uh, yeah, for sure. I just want to acknowledge that I'm speaking as the perspective of a white presenting settler on Sinaik's territory. And I really honor and respect the Sinaik's people and their stewardship of the land. I think that, uh, that land back is essential in the climate movement because these people have really had this reciprocal cooperative relationship with nature for so long and have really cared for our lands for thousands of years before European colonialism. So I think uh, land back and really returning the, the management, the stewardship, the ownership to the indigenous and first peoples is, uh, is essential for climate and ecological justice as well as social justice. Great point. And I should, I should underscore the fact that this podcast is actually being produced on the ancestral unceded territories of Nyest, the Tanaka, and the Okanagan First Nations. So that's an extremely important point. In summary, here's a question to both of you. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about where you think the future is leading us on these questions. Are you optimistic are you pessimistic? Either way, why? Ginger, let's start with you. I think with just a change of our mindset, we can get to the future that we all want. A future where people aren't selfish, where money is not the main criteria. criteria. A future where we put our, the people and the environment first. Sure, we can just do that with just a change of our mindsets. Miguel? Yeah, I mean, I've been... I've, can find myself getting quite pessimistic about things at times. I always have to remember that like no system is static and that things are constantly moving and evolving. So with the right pressure and with the changing of mindsets, like, like Ginger mentioned, I, I do think that we have the ability to create uh, a better world. Okay, well, that's Fantastic food for thought from you both. We've been speaking with Ginger Osiki, who is 14 years old, a student at L.V. Rogers School in Nelson, British Columbia, Canada, and with Miguel Pastor, who's 16 years old, who also was a student at L.V. Rogers in Nelson, British Columbia. Ginger, Miguel, thank you so much. Bon chance. Good luck going forward. We're going to be following your exploits carefully, and we're going to welcome you back to another episode of this Stop Ecocide podcast. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Randy. You've been listening to an episode of Stop Ecocide, Change the Law, Change the World. This series is executive produced by Donna Grace Campbell for Stop Ecoside Canada. Music courtesy of the Kaylee Watts Band. For more information, find us online at stopecoside.earth forward slash Canada. I'm your host, R.G. Morse. Thanks for listening.